0: welcome everybody to house of fame and humanizing the icons event i'm so excited to have all of you here today um it's such a special day because today we're talking about the behind the scenes filmmaking of why not choose love a mary pickford manifesto mary pickford is such a special story i'm actually gonna let um the director talk about that in a little bit, but first I just wanted to introduce everybody on the panel. So I'm gonna start with the producers. Um, Our first producer is Martine. Can you talk a little bit, can you just introduce yourself Martine and
1: um, tell us your role? Let me unmute you. Should we unmute everyone or no? Let's do it. Yeah, so we can just, uh, people can talk freely.
0: Okay. I actually don't have the control to unmute her. Martine, can you
2: I un- unmute? That,
1: okay. That's- okay, great. <laughs> Todd can unmute, Alex can unmute. Then we can be more freeform if you want. Okay.
3: So my name is Martine Millol. I'm a producer. I have a company called Telepictures. Pictures. Uh, I came onto the project uh, towards the end um, about a year and a half ago uh, when the film was in post and I was just, I loved the team, I loved the film, and um, they accepted me into the team to help them with uh, distribution and business-related paperwork and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm more of a business producer than a creative
1: producer. And, and when you say the end, you really mean after we shot the film. After you shot the it's film. still kind yeah. of the beginning. It was, <laughs> it was still in post, it's still in post. It's still in post, yeah.
0: Amazing. Okay, and um, the other main producer is Nitsa, and she's coming live yeah. from Paris, correct? Yeah. Paris. Correct. yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit about um, your role.
4: Yeah. Um, I arrived on the, on the project in 2015, and uh, Jen uh, had already started working on it for a number of years. Uh, so um, uh, but it was at the writing stages, so I was there from, you know, the very beginning, till the finish line, um, and before that, we, uh, Jen and I knew each other about uh, 10 years prior to that, or yeah, about, and we had already been working together on a different level, uh, both in production and finance. And so we um, we decided to embark. And when she told me about the story and about the project and about uh, Mary Pickford's story that I barely knew, I thought, "Wow, that's a story to be told." And I think it's important in our era. So I immediately jumped on it.
0: Awesome okay and next i'm going to introduce i see her on the screen adrian and she was the casting director and also a co-producer
1: oh executive I, producer oh, uh,
5: thank executive you <laughs> hi everybody i'm adrian stern i'm a longtime casting director and i've been on this project from the beginning the middle and the end and um, I think I was meant to be a part of this project because I had actually been on another Mary Pickford film prior to this and I was very disappointed when it had fallen apart it was a whole different team and um, I just By chance, this film came my way, maybe a little later in the day, I'll tell the story how I met Jen and got involved in the project. But I've seen it from the very beginning through uh, where we are today, and I'm excited to talk about it. And I had two hats I wore. Yes, I am a casting director, but I also get involved in financing. And I know that through relationships I had, I was able to uh, bring uh, a good part of the financing to our project, which obviously enabled us to be here today.
0: Great. And the film obviously wouldn't be possible without the backing. So I'm going to introduce um, the people that made that happen. The first one is the primary executive um, producer, and that is Alex.
2: Alex, can we see you? Uh,
6: I'm I'm here.
1: Alexander Paul.
6: Yes. yes, I'm here and I'm muted, um, we're all good to go. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been uh, very happily involved in this project since the very, very, very early days of November 2013. <laughs> um, that's when we initially signed our development agreement um, and, and got the, the whole uh, manuscript development started, right? It's been, it's been that long ago um, and it's been just an amazing journey to to watch this this project um, progress and my personal background is in software I run a software company um, and, and also dabble in various forms of angel investments and this is my, my first movie investment project together with my wife Nora who's somewhere here on the call too but not on the screen so thanks for having us
0: yes thanks for um, being part of this and then um, we also have the associate producer, Todd
7: Bird. Hello. Hi, Todd. Um, hi. <laughs> I'm uh, Todd Bird. I'm the associate producer, as uh, Denise mentioned. Um, I'd known uh, Jen for quite a while um, before getting involved, um, and I lived half of my life in Canada, so... Um, when I found out that she was working on a Mary Pickford uh, film I definitely uh, was interested in that and I uh, pitched in uh, financially uh, uh, you know when I was asked and I'm really excited to um, sort of follow this entire journey and the wonderful work that Jen has done on it.
0: Fantastic and then The woman behind it all, Jennifer D'Elia, who directed, (laughs) produced, wrote the film, um, and is just so hands-on with every piece. She's so dynamic
1: and amazing. Jen? Thank you. Um, I mean, you said it all. Yeah, I I did write it and direct it and produce it with the team. Um, It's been a passion project and a real um, undertaking. And I'm really honored, Denise, that you wanted to go deeper into the making of this film and very uh, humbled by the team that's present today um, because we have not all um, been together on a panel before, actually. And this is like a pivotal moment, really, in our journey. So thank you. And, um, Thanks to everyone who's contributed to this process. And I'll uh, lastly introduce Celio Bordine because um, he has been an asset to this journey as well um, on the artistic side and um, did a portrait of Mary Pickford that was exhibited last year at the tribute to her that we did um, with a Hollywood women's event. And he also came to Italy with us and participated in the Humanizing the Icon exhibit during the Biennale. And now we have a a talk show together um, called Humanizing the Icon, and Mary Pickford has been the portal into that theme of what is icon and what is to humanize. And um, he transforms the energy uh, into perception art, and it's really powerful, and he's going to be doing his thing for us today. So we'll end up with a piece of art at the end of this conversation that represents all of our energy. Thank you, to?
0: Special piece of the whole puzzle here. Um,
1: yeah, could can someone- we unmute you, Celio, if you want to say hi or or no, you don't have to. <laughs> if he doesn't come back, he's just gonna go to his art, and that's fine. <laughs> he, he He can talk at the end Oh, he's fine, yeah, so that's Chelio. okay. okay, fantastic. So.
0: House of Fame is about bringing together people that I really um, believe in and that are very successful in the creative world to talk about what goes on behind the scenes, the business aspect of it. So FAME stands for fashion, art, music, and entrepreneurship. And Humanizing the Icon is about um, the intersection between art and commerce. So there's so much synergy, and that's really why we wanted to put on this event together today. And we're going to start out by showing a clip from the film. Um, This is also a webisode. It's the first webisode in a series, and Jen will talk about that in um, a little more when we get into the discussion. But for now, I want to give everybody a background. So the film isn't out yet. You're getting a special treat right now being able to see a piece of
2: that. So let me bring it up here. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads.
0: Let me just bring up the volume a little
2: bit. Mystery. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns, and on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Revelation 17.3. What is Hollywood? Holly is derived from Old English, meaning to prick. Or to provoke, and looks like holy or whole. Wholeness is integration of masculine and feminine. Wood is earth, roots, mother. Storytelling is sacred, the most ancient form of passing along wisdom, where art and life blend as one and time does not exist, a universe of oneness, of wisdom, insight, reformation. As we are all storytellers, let's bow to the power of our own personal narratives and of the collective. Art is the heartbeat of humanity. United Artists was founded a hundred years ago. Number one is a symbol of unity, and zero is a symbol of eternity, but may also symbolize the beginning. Everybody needs a little something and they to be independent. No independent person just grew up and was born independent. You work and you learn teamwork and you learn cooperation and unity and struggle, and then you became independent. Instead of us just being like, slavery's bad, slavery's bad. You need to help black kids, Mexican kids, Korean kids,
6: whatever. But it needs to be real. Before we all die, and then you say, oh, I made a mistake. Everybody's small enough to know that I mean, we've been slightly
8: I
3: release
2: really control
3: And surrender To the light Of
8: That will heal me I release really sc- control
2: Do you realize that whatever is happening to you or to me at this very moment is absolutely the result of what each of us has been putting into our minds? You and I cannot possibly escape the result of our thoughts. So our concern is not really with external things at all, these being secondary, but with our thoughts. Let's go into the laboratory of our minds and see about all this. The first thing we find is, I am. Are you an actress? I most certainly am. What experience have you had, if any?
4: Twelve years in the theater. And two under the Bishop of Broadway, Mr. David Belasco.
8: Oh, David Belasco. Well, you're a little too fat. But, uh,
2: I may just introduce you to the camera.
6: My name is Griffith. What's yours?
2: I was baptized, Gladys-Marie. But now, my name is Mary Pickford, a name awarded to me by Mr. Belasco. Hmm.
6: Well, there's no stage to flounce on
2: here. We make motion pictures.
8: Follow me. So, we rehearse on Mondays and uh, start shooting on Tuesdays. Mind your hair.
2: Thank you, Fred. You know, when the light hits these backdrops, it's utter magic. These are uh, some of my children. Please. Okay.
0: So we got to see a little clip of the film. I hope it was okay. I heard that there was um, a little bit of delay in the film, but I hope you guys could see what I could see, which was really amazing. Um, So basically the film isn't out yet. We got to see a little clip from it. And now we're gonna talk to um, each of the people that were behind the making of this film about the journey and the direction that it's going. So, Jennifer, can I start with you? Are you here? I think your um, picture's off. So, okay, we well, Ran off for a second. Um, so let's start with you, Alex. We talked extensively about um, your journey into helping with this film and your first time uh, investor into any film so what made you want to get involved with this story in particular
6: well I think I think it has a lot to do with uh, first of all having and known uh, Jennifer for a while um, we were introduced uh, through a mutual friend in, in New York City uh, even before 2013 and then when um, Nora and I heard that, that she had acquired the movie rights to the Mary Pickford's story—we were immediately interested, right? It's such an important story in today's world—the um, uh, the story of the first um, major female uh, force in the movie industry, really bringing together uh, not just the creative side but also the business side. And I think that's really all that—that—that that, that, that matters here in, uh, for, for for our discussion today, uh, especially as we look at the intersection between art and commerce. Um, it's just such a fascinating, powerful tale, and and I must admit that before before we had talked to Jennifer about about Mary Pickford, I had not known many of those background facts. I was not aware that she was one of the founders um, of of United Artists. I was not aware of exactly her relationship to Douglas Fairbanks and Charlie Chaplin. Right, and I had heard of her name, but didn't know any of the fascinating details. and um, the more we learned about the story, the more we, we wanted to help bring it to light is really the way I would put it.
0: So you, we talked a little bit before this and you mentioned that you do some investing um, for yourself. You have multiple different kinds of investments. Um, but what made you think about doing something in film? Obviously you have an attachment to the story, but for anybody else that's thinking about investing in film, what would be your um, feedback
6: from well, I think I think film is is a great uh, diversifier for a portfolio because it's highly uncorrelated to other assets it, it doesn't move up and down uh, in the same way that the stock market does or that, that bonds do based on bond yield so um it's it's really an, uh, a wonderful way to diversify the portfolio and to really take advantage of of uh, opportunities that are outside of what's typically available to retail investors. Um, so I think it's a, it's just a fascinating area. Uh, of course, it has the potential for a high reward, but that comes of course also with the high risk factor. and that that's fun in and of itself too.
0: So when someone's thinking about um, pursuing film as an investment, what part of their financial journey would you say that they should be at?
6: I think it's not so much the question of the financial journey where they're at. I think it's it's really important to think about, about uh, investing in, in if you so will, in three buckets, right? A, a safety bucket. This is what. Would you need to be able to survive the next three months, six months, three years, whatever your time horizon of comfort is that makes you sleep well at night? There's sort of a core investment bucket that that is uh, your typical stock and bond portfolio and maybe some real estate. And then there is what I would call an opportunistic investment bucket for um, things to play with. Investing in startup companies, investing in exciting things, could be cryptocurrencies, could be Uh, the movie industry, and and if you find an opportunity to to participate in a film project, it it just depends on the size of the project and the size of um, what you want to commit out of that opportunistic bucket. But um, it's it's definitely more likely that you will make a choice to invest in movies when you have already had some success as an entrepreneur or a successful artist or a successful uh, investor. But um, it's definitely a fascinating area.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, um, great. Todd, will you tell us a little bit about your participation in the film and how you came on as the associate producer?
7: Sure. Um, so I'd, uh, as I mentioned before, I've uh, known uh, Jennifer for um, a while before uh, Mary Pickford was even started. Um, and um, I would actually invested in a previous um a uh, film that she made um, called Billy Bates, and um, and it was a very um, artsy film, um, and it was sort of it was my introduction to uh, investing in the uh, film industry, um, and it was really exciting to be honest. Like just to you know, obviously I, I figured I would never be in film because I'm not an actor or anything like that. Um, So I thought, you know, uh, investing is a way into, um, you know, the film industry. Um, And just sort of seeing what goes on behind the scenes, I got to watch a lot of the post-production stuff um, with the Billy Bates uh, film. So it sort of intrigued me. And then when uh, Mary Pickford came along, um, I was already sort of hooked. um, And a lot of what uh, Alec had mentioned um about having the you know the three different buckets um you know obviously the opera opportunistic uh bucket was you know at a certain level for me um and this sort of fell under that that category as well um and um you know the fact that i actually didn't know anything about mary pickford um prior to um Jennifer, uh, you know, getting the script and and talking about it. Um, And then when I found out that, you know, not only is she, you know, a Hollywood icon, um, but she's also Canadian. I wasn't born in Canada, but I lived half my life there. So um, I'm sort of, I'm the kind of person that corrects everybody when they say that, you know, an actor or a musician is American. And I tell them, actually, no, that, you know, that musician is... You know Canadian Um, so um, it sort of made sense um, and I was really intrigued in the the entire story so um, that's why I got involved
0: yes and so what I love about having both of you here is you both have such different backgrounds Todd you've been on the employee side most of your life and have just excelled in your career and been a good saver and a good steward of your money and Alex has um, been an entrepreneur all his life. So just two different journeys, two different perspectives that are both so valuable. Um, So Todd, you come from a financial background, actually. You're working with Bloomberg Financial, correct?
7: That's correct. Um, I've worked as a software engineer and uh, also technical support and programming support.
0: And then you also have a... A passion where you create music right
7: yes I'm also um, a songwriter I have my own music publishing company called double treble um, and I basically um, get some um, write songs uh, lyrics and music um, get them uh, demoed um, and pitch them to you know uh, reputable artists and so forth also a lot of uh, licensing opportunities for uh, TV and film
0: So it it is, you really are that hybrid, too, of you have the business side, and then you also obviously have the very creative side. And how have bringing those two together, like having both of those experience sets, um, accelerated you in being able to have some of the success you had in your music career?
7: Um, I don't think the... um it's happened yet um you know um once the um once the uh mary pickford film um you know gets out there um i think i'll start being able to um take advantage of the synergy uh between the uh the music industry and also you know the film industry and in my business and um and jennifer's uh business as well um But I mean, there's obviously, there's a lot of um, um, there's a a huge connection between uh, obviously the music industry and the film industry. Um, And I think definitely it'll it'll pay off down the road.
0: Oh, that's so interesting that you've become a participant in the making of this film as an avenue to help you in your music career. So very interesting. Uh, Jennifer, hi. So um, you're the woman behind the whole film, and I wanted to hear from you a little bit about just beginning to end. How did you start with this film? When did you start making it? And if you could just kind of give us an overview of the journey.
1: Sure. First, I just want to ask, what happened when I walked away? We we shut off the episode, right? Because the tech was bad, I think
0: yes we um shut off the episode and then we started talking to alex and todd
1: okay thank you for doing that um obviously that's that's part of the process too is as a filmmaker it's uh it's really hard to see uh content that has extremely high production value (laughs) um uh, you know, with zoom, it's a shared screen and I appreciate that we tried, but, um, people that want to check it out can be in touch and and follow the the course of the project. So thank you for stopping it, Denise. I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, okay. So the journey is, do you want to like a bird's eye view or you have a specific jumping off point? (laughs)
0: just kind of an overarching, like, when did you start making the film? How long ago? How long has it taken you to make it? And then we talked a little bit about some of the crazy twists and turns and pivoting that it took to get it made. I think that's such an interesting journey that we'd all love to hear.
1: Sure. Um, So I discovered Mary Pickford in 2011. Uh, As Todd mentioned, she's Canadian, and my first film was Billy Bates. And I was in Toronto um, doing post-production on Billy Bates. And uh, landed in an art exhibit about Mary Pickford. I had a meeting about Billy Bates in um, the Light Box, which is the Toronto Film Festival headquarters. And I was with my producing partner at the time, Julie. Um, we had five minutes to kill waiting for a taxi in the staying out of the rain. And there was an exhibit called Silent Screen Legend, Mary Pickford. And I was just like, oh, let's go, you know, check it out. Like, I didn't know who she was or even really care. I was just sort of killing time. And we walked in and I literally grabbed her arm, my producer's arm uh, within five minutes and said, we have to tell that story. I had this like literal uh, full body, like almost like love at first sight. Like who is this being like she radiated and in the footage I was seeing of her um it was clear she founded so many initiatives and things and i felt like almost like a fraud i mean that's a bit dramatic but i felt this like almost guilt of like why don't i know about her how am i a legitimate filmmaker and i did not know and um i i I likened it to like being part of a a religion and, and not knowing the roots like how are we all part of this culture and this hollywood thing and and content and we don't even know that this there's a mother kind of behind it all you know and so i just had this visceral visceral response um i clearly within five minutes still didn't know much about her but again it was very intuitive and so that just kind of launched me into the rabbit hole as i call it of you know finding the books and the historians and the Who's connected to Mary? You know, on the planet still around today, and um, she didn't die that long ago. She actually died the year I was born, so she passed away in 1979. And there's actually a lot of people on the planet that that were friends with her or family or knew her, and um, I was inspired. You know, really, really inspired. And I think that as a storyteller, which is how I, I identify, I think beyond. Uh, a filmmaker is that it's a story that has to be told it's almost like a live or die kind of mission like I will do everything in my power to get this out and to do it with integrity on the creative side so that the soul of of her at that time and what what it meant to be a visionary a hundred years ago and to really precede Hollywood to actually be the vehicle that birthed Hollywood. Um, She was considered avant-garde and she was considered wild and she was um, a badass. She negotiated her own contracts and she earned more than her male counterparts in 1919. She founded the Academy, she founded United Artists. She got actors their names in the credits and she was really an activist Um, And an advocate for artists, you know, to have safe places to go in Los Angeles, to have salaries in between jobs, to be able to push the medium and provoke audiences and not dumb things down, you know, so all these values and messages that I really um, already felt so strongly about as a young filmmaker, and just young person. I felt like I had a role model and a kindred spirit and like someone that I could understand that could understand me that I had not really met, you know, in my journey in the, in the industries up to that point. So uh, that was 2011. And um, I don't, I, you know, I could go on forever, obviously, cause it's been a long road, but basically um, it took us about four and a half years to actually go into physical production. Um, I was still finishing my last film. I directed a play off Broadway. I was sort of multitasking for the first couple years of that. Um, And we had big budgets and we're exploring shooting in different territories based on tax incentives. And we had like a conventional biopic version of the story. And then you just kind of go through this development process that's like very um, layered very, very layered because I really am an artist. I really am, um, a visionary. I don't perceive things in form in, in like a formulaic way. I see things, I see life as nonlinear, very interested in psychology and, and memory and philosophy and mythology and things like that. So the conventional biopic version, while it's really beautiful, um, was not me, was not authentic. So I ended up a couple years after we started the process doing a page one, you know, rewrite of the script to really bring the vision, you know, into it. And that was what my partners at the time were encouraging, like, don't, don't dumb this down, you know, this this has to be yours, you know, so I was really blessed with people around me that wanted, wanted my style, you know, and then to find out that my style and Mary Pickford's style actually really are aligned and um so and then is the you know the journey of financing it's like okay well who's gonna invest in independent film and who's gonna invest in an unconventional telling of the story um and really support the vision and, and us as filmmakers um so it becomes a, a journey of finding the right fit and the right alignment there You know because we care about messaging we care about the images we're putting out into the world and how it affects humanity you know it's money is not just something that we take for granted you know our team like we really made a conscious choice together to not take it for granted like we did turn down money at times when we really needed it um because it's the energy of the person you know you really get married on a film You know, you need to be able to go when there's trouble. You need to just uh, have a certain vibe that's like supportive of the of the whole process. So, um, we found our people for sure, but we had so many challenges along the way, and it took time. It really, really took time, and um, it's still taking time. You know, but you kind of discover with especially um, like auteur visions that it's kind of like wine wine it it gets better with time you know so we keep working on it we keep refining it we keep meeting potential distribution partners that share in the vision you know and it's like you just kind of nurture the process rather than rush it because you believe in it you know so um actually alex had been you know he was our foundation I mean, he was our lead executive producer. And when we were in need, we would go to him, you know, and he was really, I thought great at this sort of balance of, okay, yeah, I'm here for you. And then sometimes you got this, you got to go figure this out. You know, like it's that, that, that dance. And, and I really respect that a lot. And then Todd, like, literally came in at a moment when we were shooting the film and I would love even Nitsa to unmute and be able to jump in but like we were shooting the film one of our investors um, fell out during production mm. and we had a union intervention and we almost got shut down and Todd actually came in with a very meaningful piece at that moment to help us be able to finish the shoot and you think like oh my god how is this happening and then you talk to other independent producers and they're like oh welcome to the welcome to the party you know and these are the things that people don't share when they're getting their awards or uh talking it's like this is where you learn you know this is like the juicy stuff and so it's uh it's been a fight and and you call on that like warrior spirit when it's a it's a story that you have to tell i'm not a filmmaker just to make movies like i'm I'm advocating for a message. I'm advocating for a legacy, and um, it's also very meta because Pickford was an, an advocate for artist rights and also for provoking content. And so we're like carrying on the torch of like, all right, we got this, right, Nita?
4: <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. It was. Um... Uh, I completely uh, joined Jen when she says, you know, it's really the core people you choose to surround yourself with that is essential. Because I can tell you that, you know, every single day on the shoot, we <laughs> did not know. And it was really stressful <laughs> if we would, you know, go to the finish line because we actually encountered yes the union and a financer dropping out so it was really really scary and for some reason you know there was something magical that really happened and i think it's really the energy of people being together and saying you know you just we we're just gonna make it and it's really um that uh, it's the right partners like she said and I think it, that's really important because we were uh, fearing every day that something would you know, make us stop. But at the same time, we believed, you know, and there's a big amount of faith. And for me, it's just like Jen, there's nothing that interests me if it's not carrying a strong message because yes, it takes five years, six years, sometimes more like to make a film. So you want, I mean, at least, I do It's important for me, but I feel like, you know, it's bringing some meaning and you want to, you know, celebrate a certain values or celebrate a, a person that people forgot about, but she was very meaningful at a very core moment. And so I think, yeah, it's, it's been a very interesting road and, and, uh, Really, thanks to Alexander and Todd and thank you and other people also that joined later, uh, we, um, we made it. But it's true that on set, when we had an investor fallout, we had people visiting the set every day, uh, saying that they were interested, wanting to put money, but people are just curious. They just show up on set just because it's so cool to be on set. <laughs> and see yeah. actors and see uh, how people make films, but they were really, really shallow and not real. And, and it, it, was, it was, you know, for me coming from France and shooting in Hollywood, a film about Hollywood, was like, wow, it's, it was like a dream come true. And at the same time, it was really stressful, but very exciting. And also the whole team, the whole team on the set, Uh, The DP, the costume, the set designer, the actors, everyone was very, very proud to be part of that story. So even though we had, yes, a union issue and they show up and they frighten people, etc. No one was going to, you know, uh, walk away ever. So it was, you know... And I think it was a very strong uh, moment. I never had to live that ever before. And since then, after. (laughs) So it was a very unique experience. And I I agree with Jen, there was something about, uh, as if it was like a, it was very strange because it was as if it was a parallel or correlated to the real story. We have a story with making also our film. It's a story and we shot actually, we shot. we have a making of, but so much happened. It's a story by itself. That shoot is a story by itself. The making of the film and we're not done. So, you know, it's, um, it's a long process. So you'd better be surrounded with the right people, with the right energy, with the same goal, with the same vision.
0: Yeah. And you that's a little bit about that, Jennifer, the um, union issue you had.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. And then I, yeah, and then I want to touch on what Nita just closed with too, in terms of the, the people and the pieces. Um, but with the union, um, they just, you know, they have a job to do, essentially. And, um our line producer that we had in pre-production suggested that we go Mm non-union and you know i was coming from a non-union background i'd worked on union projects as a production coordinator when i was coming up through production um but as a director and producer i had only done non-union at this point and so my instinct even though i wasn't completely um specialized in this was to just start off union if we're going to work with union crew why not just start off union why even risk encountering an issue um and i was basically told um i'm no longer the producer i need to go focus on directing because at that point we were in uh pre-production i did have actors rehearsing i did write the script And I, you know, when you kind of know all these different sides, it was like, I I raised the money, I I, uh, developed the thing, I've worked in production for a decade, I was a production coordinator. Um, You realize that's a rare thing with directors. A lot of directors did not come up through production. A lot of directors don't raise money. And so they wouldn't even try to participate in these conversations. And I was always meddling in different, you know, areas because I could, and I felt protective of my investors and just like everything. Uh, But, but you know, I was uh, needed as a director. And so he said, let me do my job. Okay, cool. Um, So he decided we should be non-union because uh, we were, we had a shorter shoot. We were shooting in one location. The whole crew agreed to go non-union and you basically just put money aside. So if the union comes to flip you, you negotiate, you have a contingency and you Do the contract with them and move on. Well, that same line producer is the one that alerted the union that our production was actually happening because he ended up not working on set. He took a a bigger studio job that was more money, which is fine. People do that. We replaced him, no big deal. Um, But he did something, um, let's just say, against union rules when he walked off off that job um that would put more money in his pocket or whatever and so in order to protect himself he decided to to let the let them know about us and um so they appeared and the investor had fallen out so we didn't have that contingency and uh that was challenging i mean that was when we were scrambling that's when we called on todd that's when we really were like okay how do we do this you know and i established a good relationship with the union i actually became friends with the rep and um had to work with them for two years on an audit and we passed it and i was like celebrating and everything you know was good i mean they did show up on set um in black leather jackets <laughs> and they're not allowed on private property so they had to like sneak around security and like finagle their way in as family and friends of cast and crew and like come and show up and and demand things like within an hour right nitsa yeah yeah Uh, they gave us literally two or
4: three days to find the money that we negotiated and we had only that so they were every day, and, and the last day was literally the watch. And they were like, by 1.30, we're closing down your set. But 100.
1: they can't actually do that. That's the thing. Yeah. So They, they, they but, say that to, I think, intimidate yeah. filmmakers, which is really where you start to, like, question yeah. their role. Because they're there to protect the crew. And they can't really shut down your set. The crew has to be willing or interested in walking off the set, which is yeah. usually due to, like, poor working conditions. Our crew was not interested in walking. They ignored the reps, continued working, went to lunch. (laughs) So they couldn't really shut down our set, which was so frustrating to them. Um, And we worked it out with them. And and in the end, it was fine. But then they like appeared again to like start to try to address our post-production and like, who's editing the film? And why are you working in Canada? And like, what's going on? And you just start to wonder, like, are you working with us as independent filmmakers? Like, are we working together? Like, I get the first part. Like, we could have gone union from the beginning. I get that part. But then you get through these different stages of it, and you're just kind of, like, wondering, is this a force to be reckoned with? Like, how, what are we doing here? You know, because I'm pretty diplomatic. Like, I get people have to do their job and stuff. Um, So, so that was just interesting learning curve and not about any one personally, the reps were cool. Like it was fine, but the whole sort of mission of that organization was something a little bit confusing to me by the later stages of that process, you know, I hope I, yeah, I don't know if I shared too much, but They love you, you know. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Because that's what we're really trying to do here is create this space where what
0: is happening behind the scenes that never gets discussed gets discussed. Because that information is so valuable to another filmmaker out there that's independent, that's just getting into their journey and trying to create this piece of art. So what, what would you say you learned out of that experience? And had you do it over again,
1: would you go union from the beginning? Um, I would have gone union from the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Um, We hesitated
4: actually. Oh, sorry. Oh, we did it. I mean, we did consider
1: it, but yeah, if I, if I was the decision maker in that, I would have, but I'm not saying that that's the only way to do it. You know, having a contingency and taking the risk is also fine. If that feels right to you. Um, we just happen to be in a sticky situation because of an investor scenario. So, um uh yeah just everything you can do to be proactive in the process is like i would say the best to just like mitigate you know there's always going to be challenges and fires and issues um with film and and independence and stuff um and they have those issues even with studio films, you know, it just, it's just a part of the nature of the beast in a way. They just have massive legal teams <laughs> that deal with it. It's not like the director walking up to the union rep, like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, all the producers like, what? I'm creative. Like, I don't know. And they're like, all like, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, we got this. Um, so you just disarm them by saying, do you know who Mary Pickford is? like, you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for her, and one of the guys was, like, oh, I think I bought something from her estate, this is about Mary Pickford, and it's, like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, but what I wanted to speak to, sort of ripping off of Nita's closing sentiment, too, was um, with Adrian, because it just keeps jumping out at me, like, Adrian, I mean, with the casting, it's, like, that is what brings also value to the package. Like not just, um, it, it's financial, but it's more than that because these actors really embodied the aura of the characters. And like in the end, when it's time for the release and distribution and stuff, I mean, that's the thing that really um, speaks to the distributor, right? Is these, these performances. And we didn't dumb down the casting in order to try to get hustle more money like we really cast appropriately for the roles and adrian can speak more to this but as a champion for the project she also raised money for the project so she was casting the film and working with us on the producer side here and there and like that relationship has been really vital too so i would love to hear I you yeah I would love to hear Adrian. <laughs> oh, all
5: right, thank you. Um, well, first of, all, I just want to say that from the very get go, from meeting um, Jennifer and her producing partner, um, she was very uh, collaborative. Very much, you became a part of her family. And so, let me tell you a little backstory. <laughs> I did not know Jennifer at all. Never heard of her. Never heard of uh, her film Billy. Yeah. Well, I saw Billy Bates. Billy you always Bates. Say I always called the wrong name because a similar film. All okay. right. So here's how I got involved. I actually was teaching a class and an actor was in the class and he announced to the class, Oh, a film of mine that I'm in is uh, premiering at the Soho International Film Festival. If anybody wants to go, let me know. So I'm sitting in a class of twenty five actors, you know, for three a half a day, and I'm saying to myself, Well, I would like to go, but I'm not gonna raise my hand or say I'm going, because then every everybody everybody is going to want to go. And I was just like, you know, it would be also, okay, so she didn't have plans on a Friday night. Isn't she cooler than that? But that said, um, so later in the day, I actually got an email from this actor and he said, you know, you didn't say anything. Do you want to go? And I said, sure, I'll go. So I think it was like a raining, pouring night. And I went down there to see the premiere. And again, I never knew, I didn't know anybody who was involved in the film. I'd never met anybody um, in the film before except for the actor that had taken my class. And then there was a party afterwards and I remember it was a long ways from the theater and we all kind of hiked there. And there were other people I knew that had been at the premiere. And I met uh, Jennifer and her producing partner and they literally were like, oh, well we're making another film and we wanna have lunch with you. So the next day I'm literally at a lunch with them on a rooftop and they're like, okay, you're casting our film. So it was really, um, you know, fortuitous that I had been in that class, had said yes, because if I had never said yes, to going to see that film at the film festival, then I would have never been here where I am today. So saying yes is something I believe in. And I think that a lot of people have to take chances in the film industry. And when something comes your way, it may not be 100% where you want it to be or what it should be or could be. But if you don't say yes, you're never gonna find out. And you don't wanna have a regret that you turned down a project that could be, you know, lead you in a direction and so anyway I said yes so here I am now and the truth is is that Jennifer is 100% correct first off the film and the script took on a life of its own the agents and managers in the industry were very eager and interested in having their talent be a part of this film but instead of us having you know this actor that's a huge name or that we were more about who is right for the part because that's what's going to bring a story like this to life. It's not about watching a film and saying, gee, it's great to see so-and-so in a film, but I don't really think they felt like they were this person because I've seen this person in their earlier career and this is a biopic at the end of the day so i think we stood very true to our sort of vision of the biopic and if i recall we had a lot of people self-tape we had jennifer meet with a lot of actors we had some auditions but on top of that i became a part of the family and there was a lot of get-togethers and organized parties and um just A whole movement of pushing this film forward in ways that other filmmakers don't always do. I think it was sort of a um, it was very social would be a good way to say it and um, I got to know the costume designer which I never I brought him on another film I was working on. Since this film I worked on another film with Jennifer. Nietzsche and I also know each other from back uh, when Nietzsche was here in New York and we've spent time together both here in new york and in paris so you know it's one big family every time i turn around i meet somebody new who's been involved with the film as far as the financing is concerned um here's what i'll say about the financing i'm always out there looking for financing some on many many films and so when somebody comes my way and says what are you working on what can you know what can you pitch me i'm always ready to pitch a couple of films i happen to pitch somebody who was looking to put some money into a film and you know i pitched them and made some introductions and i honestly think that the relationship and the path took a good six to eight months before the money came through and it wasn't even something that um i kept on top of it was just one of those things that just magically happened overnight and then all of a sudden we had this very nice sum that got added to our golden pot of putting this film out there and um you know i felt very good about you know not only my relationship with the film itself, with Jennifer and the rest of the team, um, excited about the talent that I brought to it. But, you know, here I added this um, next level, which, you know, everybody benefited from in various ways. So for me, that was an exciting part. And so, yes, I, I do um, come aboard to raise financing for film, but I will say something for those people who are looking for financing, I will only do it on films I'm already currently the casting director on, um, just because I'm, inve- I'm best invested in that film already, and that's what um, I believe in. So, you know, for me as a casting director, I like to wear the casting director hat, Um and I'm happy to work on a film that's completely financed, but I'm also very um, eager to get on board with a film that needs cast in place to move forward with the financing or you know, to get involved in adding some uh, pieces of the puzzle. So I hope I answered some of your uh, question and if there's anything else I left out, I'm happy to share.
2: <laughs>
4: that was great. <laughs> And I'd like to jump on uh, just one thing that you said. It's true that in the industry, of course, everyone knows that there is, yes, the pressure of uh, actors that are bankable, etc. And And we did feel it, we had to deal with it. But what was interesting is, as Adrian said, it was really a very strong choice and especially coming from Jennifer, who exactly knew also, what she wanted, and Adrian, understanding exactly what she wanted with the, the the actors suggested and the actors she met and who ended up in the film are really you know uh, the essence of what is in the script, and the script is already one piece that is a very original one it 's unconventional, so we were not going to make a conventional film. And that also means uh, to bring you know, talent that is very specific and not fall into a classical conventional recipe. It was a challenge, but that was a real choice. And I think it's true that uh, the work that the two did, Adrian and Jennifer together, and um, uh, with us of course, but mainly them, uh, it was, really um, uh, really powerful and i was amazed on set and after also of course, but you know every single person involved was extremely uh, well chosen and and very um and very how do you say that? engaged very um um convinced that they had to be there you know and they had like some they were part of a bigger puzzle. So that's why, yeah, that's what I mean. So every single piece of the puzzle, uh, whether it's creative or finance or, you know, uh, a creative on the production side or on the directing side, it's every single piece is needed. And so when it happens, it's really magical. And we actually had some magical moments (laughs) after. And even in the endeavors, it is part of the magic, you know? The it's challenges, just, yeah. Yeah, the challenges. So, mm-hmm.
0: From an outside observer, I can feel the chemistry. It's almost like there is a mystical, magical energy between you guys. Even now, palpable, like it's a channeling almost. And so how did you, Jennifer, find everybody? How did you all get connected?
1: Um. So it is magic. I mean, I think, wow, it's incredible. <laughs> Alex and I met through Alex's son, right, Alex? I mean, that was actually our portal.
6: It was two connections. One was, one was through Gabriel and the other one was through our son Calvin, our son Calvin yeah.
1: And Calvin's a filmmaker. He's a Steadicam operator.
6: Yep. Working in New York but back then he was still a film school student or a photography art student at, at NYU and was interning for you guys.
1: He was interning for us. And that's right. A friend of a friend named Gabe, who was friends of a, a former intern who became a really close friend of mine. Uh, even now, um, Gabe introduced us to the folks, to, to the family, but mainly with, I don't know if the focus was on Calvin or Alex, but it was all very exciting because it was, potential investment and it was also an intern, we are always looking to mentor. um, And I think that's really a big part of our model. We've brought different um, young people on in different capacities because I started as an intern and and started working on sets when I was 19 um, and didn't feel like I really had mentorship. So it's a really, really important part of of my model and philosophy. so, yeah, we worked with, with Alex's son, and, and I think Alex was around when, when I did the off-Broadway play with um, the actor from my last film and also Julia Stiles. Yep. Um, my film, Billy Bates, that Todd was a part of, premiered at Tribeca and was also like coming out. Um, so he got to see us in action before he decided to be a part of our team. And we had meals and we became friends and they started to feel like extended family. Um, and Todd we met at a party right we met at um so there's this band that's not together currently and Denise might know them they're called the little death and it's Laura Dawn the singer and Moby played bass and Darren Murphy and Aaron Brooks one of my closest friends as well um and they did music for my first film Billy Bates actually and we went to an after party of one of their shows and met Todd standing at the bar. I think, yep. <laughs> right? It's how it goes so often, right? We
0: just like L.A., New York. If you're in those cities, the energy, the going out, the enjoying the art, you network, you meet each other. That's so cool.
1: Well, and I think, and I'll continue with just the rest of them too. But the 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 takeaway from all of that is what Nita said, and and what I was also leading with earlier which is that um we're all getting involved like we all have different perspectives in life we all have different jobs different ways of seeing the world but when you have a friendship or you have a connection prior to doing business I think yeah of course it doesn't always work But I think with certain personalities and certain types, it really lends itself to the cohesiveness of the relationship because they know, they already knew me as an artist, as a filmmaker. They already knew kind of the way that I was operating. Um, We trusted them too, you know, because this is my baby and and I want someone to come in and, and support as like a sort of doula, you know? Like someone who's not just putting in money, but that's like got our backs, you know? And so you're kind of, you're creating partnerships along the way. And you feel that intuitively, you know? Um, With Adrienne, like she said, she came to this premiere. We already knew of her as a casting director. We already knew what her credits were. And Jimmy was my lead actor in, in Billy Bates, the one who took her class. And he'd been like a muse of mine for like a decade. We'd done several things together. And he loved adrian and and i trusted him and i already knew her credits and she was such a new york casting director really indie and like did so many cool projects and so she was right like as soon as she we saw her come to our premiere we scooped her up we're like yes lunch tomorrow all right let's let's like start this journey um and nietzsche and i i mean we've been friends now for like 15 years we met through a mutual super, super, super close friend that I think hired me as a PA when I was like 19 or 20. Um, She's still a close friend. They're doing a project together. Uh, Her name's Irina. And Nitsa and I had some Cannes film festival fun together, raised money on a couple projects together, also had built a relationship. And then it was just very organic. She fell in love with the script. She's a great producer, hadn't done something in the States. And so, Um, we were excited for that and then Martine was so interesting because she's the I think of this group um, with the exception of Chelio um, which I'll also share because I met him at a dinner for the Art of Elysium which is a very prolific arts organization here in LA that a lot of you know celebrities and high-profile people contribute to uh, various causes and I met him and his wife Lina at a dinner saw some of his drawings, fell in love with his work. Our movie was about to have its first screening as a tribute to Mary Pickford for a thousand people. I asked him to do a portrait of Pickford and to be a part of the artist panel that was afterwards. So that was also just so organic and and um, now we're, yeah, family, That's Adrian said the perfect word. We are family. Uh, Martine, came to a private screening that was a super rough cut of the movie. It was uh, on the birthday of, of United Artists, hundred year birthday. First time I was showing the film to pretty much anyone, uh, February, 2019. And um, we, we felt like we were missing. We had a hole in our producer team as lead producers in the day to day, because we were all such creatives. We really needed someone business minded to come in and help us clean up our you know, eight years of paperwork and who understands distribution and fresh energy as well. Um, I felt like I was wearing too many hats and honestly getting a little burnt out. Um, still needing to finish the film as a director. So so Martine, you can you can share too, like what spoke to you that night and and
3: Yeah, so I was uh invited to that project by one of the actress who I was uh friend with, Katarina, Garon, who invited me to that. Um, incredible screening, uh, in in a museum, right, in the Hollywood Museum or something. Hollywood
1: Heritage, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: And um, I went there and saw that film. I was very interested because I uh, work with two. I'm French originally. I didn't know there was a French person it's, uh, involved in the project at all. I knew nothing about the project. All I knew it, it was a film about Mary Pickford, but I just had just finished uh, co-producing a documentary about her husband, Douglas Fairbanks. So contrary to a lot of, I knew a lot about her and I knew a little bit about that era. And I was very interested in seeing a narrative film about her. So I went to the screening and I just fell in love with the film first. Uh, I just was drawn into it. I felt I was there with the actors. I thought the acting was impeccable. And Adrienne, I don't know you personally, but You did an amazing job.
5: Oh, thank you.
3: Um, I think the acting was incredible. I thought, you know, you talk in film, you talk about, you know, an artist having a voice. There was a definite voice behind this film. And I didn't know Jennifer. um, And I really was drawn to the film. I'm, as I was saying, I'm more of a business producer, but I love artists. And I love to surround myself with incredible artists. So when I produce a film, I usually, um, I'm the business side, but I don't get, I don't try, I try not to get involved with the creative. And I try to say, you know, if I picked you as an artist, I'm going to let you uh, bring your point of view, because that's the point. If it's my point of view, then I might as well direct the film, right? So I'm very artist friendly as a producer. And I really felt like, there was an incredible team behind this film and I was totally drawn into it. So I asked Katarina after the screening to introduce me to Jennifer. And um, we spoke a little bit and I told her about my Douglas Fairbanks talk um, that I had just finished. And um, so we talked and uh, then we had a couple of more meetings. And I said, you know, if you want, I can come and help you guys. Um, I had just finished uh, distributing my first two films, uh, narrative films, so they were already like, you know, doing well and everything. So that's what happened. And I became, uh, as everyone is saying here, uh, part of the family when she told me there's also a French producer involved and I'm French originally, been in the States for 20 years. uh, And Nitsa was coming a few weeks later to LA. So we all met and, And then they accepted me into the team and it's been an amazing journey. Uh, I really, I'm very glad I, you know, I met everybody. This was incredible. And last year we all went to Venice together, which like even, you know, forged another bond um, when we showed the film at the Biennale. And it's been, it's just an incredible journey. They're incredible people. Uh, Jennifer is such a force. (laughs) And such, a, she's, she's just an incredible woman. I love to surround myself with artists, but especially incredible women like Jen and, and Nitsa.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's, that's why I, I'm in it.
0: <laughs> so um, Martine, for those people that don't really have any experience in what goes on to producing a film and what, what the business side of it looks like, could you explain a little bit the day-to-day of your tasks?
3: So, it I mean, you know, it depends. Every producer, you know, does different things. I think that I'm a producer, usually this is like a kind of a special project because I came in, you know, towards the end. But I usually take a project from A to Z, which is that um, I, you know, I don't write, of course. <laughs> I'm not a creative. So I find a great script or someone comes to me with a great story and, um you then you know try to put the package together basically. So you you make sure that you have a great script so you might go through a few rewrites. Um, then you try, you know, raise a little bit of money for development, um, then go through the casting process and try to attach casts. And I think there needs to be a balance of, you know, it has to be the right cast, which is so important. But me being a business producer and in the end, that film is a product you need to sell. You need to make sure that that cast also has some value uh, commercially. I think that there needs to be that type of uh, balance in between and I think it's completely feasible. And I think in this film, we do have that uh, completely. And, and they did not compromise to take those huge stars. And I completely agree with what they were saying about, you know, sometimes when you see, someone like you already have a preconceived idea and you can't put them into the role of someone else. So if you, you know, and in this case uh, it, it's, it was just amazing because everybody, when you see the film, you feel like you're in there with them and this is Mary Pickford and this is Charlie Chaplin and Scott Hayes did an amazing job. And this is Douglas Fairbanks and you're really in there with them. So the casting is an essential part of the process um, and then you usually hire a line producer, uh, a good one, if possible, <laughs> um, that is going to put together a budget schedule, uh, for the film and depends on the budget. You might, you know, on one of my films, I did that myself because the budget was so low, um, you know, it depends on what you do. You also, you know, sometimes want to consult with a sales agent early. Uh, to know you know where you're going in terms of sales and um, and then you go and shoot your film and every day you need a lot of paperwork uh, you need to be really organized um, that's I think what, that's one of the key of the business producer is really be organized and uh, have a good relationship with your investors I have a good relationship with you know the other producers the the director your first AD, who's kind of the, the chief of the set, um, and make sure everything moves uh, in the right direction and at the right pace. And then you, once you're done with your film, uh, then you have the whole post-production process, which is another uh, big endeavor. You either hire or not a post-producer or post-production supervisor to finish the film, which is color, sound, titles, and stuff like that, VFX. And um, that process can be super long. Like I, I produced a sci-fi thriller that it took us one year to post-produce or a year and a half because we had so much VFX. Um, and then you go on the path of distributing it and, and trying to figure out, you know, what, who's the right company to, who's gonna get the film, get the vision and be able to um, reach the right audience and be able to really Put, you know all the efforts that you have done and, and jen and Nitsa's case so many so many years um you don't want to just give it to anybody you know it's it's your baby it's your like jen was saying you know you you forget the pain it's like when you have a baby you see the baby you're so happy but you forgot you know how hard it was sometimes so it's it's good to remind yourself how difficult it was because you don't want to give it up easily to just any distribution distribution company that distribution company needs to be aligned with your vision for the film and where it's going to go and who it's you know who it's going to speak to and and this is very very important because they are the one to put your film into the world so i think this is the vital part where maybe that's one of the very very and distributing
1: is are the two most difficult parts for me and I would say that, like, that's in terms of Martine's day-to-day on, on our phone. Um, it's a lot of, like, vetting sales agents, vetting distributors, looking at old paperwork, making sure contracts are, like, amended and up-to-date because sometimes you switch LLCs, you switch entities, and you have to make assignments and stuff because, you know, things shift throughout the, the course of making something. Um, so there's a lot of catch-up. Um, and just you know, production legal and and union stuff, and you know, it's it's a lot because when you get distribution, you have to basically hand them a binder of everything.
6: And in old school
1: terms, it's a binder. I guess it's probably not a binder anymore. No, 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 it's, it's a is Like when not I was like, a production like, coordinator, it's like these <laughs> big fat binders, you know, yeah. with every memo, every contract, everything printed out. You know? yeah. and yeah, I had personally delivered my two films to
3: my distributors. So that's why I knew all the legalities of what's needed uh, for distribution. So I wanted to make sure, you know, in this film, and it's, it's difficult because it's a film that took place over so many years.
1: And it's a real person. So you're so dealing many, with like archival you know, stuff and like and so many people and... involved and everything.
3: Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's a daunting project, but it's an amazing project because I'm working with amazing people mm-hmm. and I love it. <laughs>
1: And I mean, to add to that, you know, we're being presented with other opportunities at the time, at this time too, of taking the content, turning it into a Broadway play or to an actual miniseries, uh, utilizing our footage for like a an HBO kind of scenario. Um, you kind of look at something where you spend eight years and people are like, oh my God, you spent that long. And then you kind of, there's a flip side to that where you become you know, a sort of historian now. Now it's like, you're the Mary Pickford person and you have eight years of research and um, all these relationships and all this content, you know, including our footage. And then people are like, oh, wow, we could really spin that off into this or into that. Or, you know, so you kind of acquire assets along the way, which of course, Alex would have thought of assets. I wouldn't, I didn't know I was acquiring assets. I was just doing my job and loving it, like learning every nook and cranny of Pickford that I possibly could and it's true I got to know her really 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 well um and have a lot of personal materials that aren't in libraries and things you know so there might be other layers to this <laughs> who knows
0: <laughs> you know that's exciting a little teaser right there yeah um, <laughs> so what is next for the film what where are you guys at it's not released yet so mm-hmm. what's
1: next we're working on distribution now Um, the film does need some finishing touches to the actual picture, but that can come like with the distributor. It's not stuff we have to do urgently, but it would happen before a release. Um, because of the lockdown, we actually cut the movie into webisodes just to see what that was like. Some people were saying, we're never going to go back to theatrical and all these big studios are starting these like web series platforms and it's the way of the future and all this stuff. And I never thought like that. But I was like, ah, eh, you know, let's just see how it works. Like, I'm just curious. So that was just an experiment that we did. And actually, it works really well because we shot the film as vignettes. So there's these natural breaking points in terms of webisodes. But we didn't release them. Um, again, yeah. they're kind of an asset that we have. There's 16 webisodes. Uh, we shared a like, couple of them as sort of teasers for the film. But that's really it. Um, but we'll see, yeah, because...
4: Uh, what we realized along the way is that uh, the film, you can, uh, peop- distributors or other sort of platforms uh, buy it as a feature and as a web series. So you can actually Doing that now. do both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, right now, that's what is happening. We'll see what happens because there's no clear choice. We, but it's true, we did that as an experiment to see. And to see if the buzz would you know catch up also on the first episode which it did and it was really interesting uh, to see uh, the p- people reacted and wanted to see more etc so it's yeah like you say it's a few assets and 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 the 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 opportunity of making it a series for a big network would also be very interesting we're exploring those but they are not exclusive they are all you know maybe uh,
1: part of it yeah and with the um if anyone who's watching does want to see the actual webisodes in hd high res uh, fashion they're on the humanizing the icon youtube channel and there's three of them that we have allowed um public and you can put it on the hd setting and see see it really beautifully
0: <laughs> yeah maybe we can edit this um recording after before we post it and put that correct oh uh, sure in yeah we'll put it yeah, correct to
2: this or, yeah. yeah
0: what i wanted to share also that i thought
4: was very interesting in the experience that we had is that you know the the movie ended up um Uh, not being exactly what the script was because the circumstances of what we had to go through made us make uh, an artistic, uh, even more radical choice in the end. And I think whether it was, you know, uh, meant to be or not, it's interesting sometimes because you will have obstacles, etc., but that actually make you more... um, concise, precise, creative, because you have to find a way, and it pushes the border. Is that what you say? It pushes the- The the, The boundaries, yeah. Boundaries into exploring other things. And I think uh, we had actually uh, initially uh, a little section that is, you know, the person reflecting on her life, and we decided to get rid of that.
1: An older Mary Pickford, an older version. And, we, and that happened
4: because of what happened during the shoot, because of the financial falling out, because of that. But then it made complete sense artistically. You know, we thought about that because of that, but it just made complete sense to go that way. And, uh, and so sometimes, you know, what you go through, like in life, make you take turns or make choices that are, you know, make more sense, in fact. So it was right, also... well, that
5: ha- I mean I, I, just from a casting perspective when I came aboard somebody else was already cast in the role of Mary Pickford and you know obviously it wasn't meant to be and we were meant to go out there and find the right person for the role who was meant to be and I think that that you know it lent itself that door open for us and so I think we got very fortunate And I agree with you as far as the scene at the end that you're talking about where we meet them older. They're just, I think they're just, it was a big cast, a big undertaking. I just don't know that there was enough time and money in the day that we were able to add that in. But I think as a filmmaker, Jennifer, you probably learned that maybe you don't even need that scene.
1: Yeah, no.
5: (laughs) Right, and that's what I think a lot of filmmakers learn when they're going out to make a film that they put a lot in there, you know, think of it like a candy bag, and you put a lot of candy in it, but you don't really need all that candy. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's anything I've learned now from working with filmmakers currently, is that we're going to have to have smaller casts anyway. So it's really a lesson to be learned in the future for you, just as you move forward, or any of us with new scripts and new product out there, that, you know, our cast just might not be able to be that large or have large scenes with so many you know, actors on them. So it's something to think about anyway.
1: Yeah, and I really, um, yeah, that, that, that thread that they're talking about was Mary Pickford as an older woman looking back on her life. And um, we actually, it was less about the financing in terms of why we didn't shoot it. We were actually in talks with an actress to play the older Mary. And we decided that we would schedule that for a later date um, after the, the core of the shoot was done. We would come back in about two or three months and shoot the older Mary, but she was taking a long time making a decision. And right. like, we didn't know if it was going to work um, just going off what Nita had said. And, and it was the financing it was all of it. But, but then I'm looking through the footage after we wrapped the shoot and it was like such a beautiful coming of age story. And I was, really genuinely not wanting an older Mary that kind of conventional thing we see all the time of her I mean we were doing it in an interesting way but still it felt like something was um, being cheapened a little bit to sort of like cut to these recognizable Hollywood faces that are incredible talent but these were the pioneers of cinema and we did the movie avant-garde in order to honor the spirit of that and they were um fresh faces and and young talent and new to the scene and everything was new and so i we decided that that was the integrity and we just said never mind <laughs> it was really cool actually
0: so just tie- kind of wrapping up here, you're a first time director, even though you've had a lot of experience in the industry. Um, time. No? Uh, this is my second feature as second. a director. Okay. Um, so what was your biggest takeaway? Like for someone just starting in their journey or someone that's semi-new to the industry, like is there any um, piece of wisdom
1: that you'd like to relay? I don't feel equipped to give advice in the sense that it's, every project is so customized in terms of like how it gets done. Um, I just think that story is number one, you know, why are you telling the story? Does it need to be told? Um, you know, and, and then being true to that vision, you know, um, and, and not being willing to really compromise. Um, compromise comes in certain, in other forms that are necessary, but I mean, when it comes to the vision, I think that it needs to be honored and, and filmmakers coming up should be encouraged to, to, to use their intuition and stick to their vision. I say that word a lot. Because there's a lot of fear that if I don't give into this or give into that, it will never get made. And then you end up with a lot of really insecure people that sort of diminish their like true artistry and, and get really frustrated and it's okay for things to take, take time you know there's always it's it's about the journey it's about the process you know not just the results and i think you end up being more rewarded um not just as a human but but even financially i think there is a meeting of art and commerce when you stay true to vision and you understand the social zeitgeist and you trust the timing of things and you keep your eye on who the players are and you know what's going on holistically and don't get caught up in fear. Um, art and commerce can meet and we need that because we need, we need original content. We need bold content. Um, it contributes to the evolution of our brain, literally, <laughs> like we need content that elevates. And um, I just, I want, I want to support storytellers, like real storytellers, you know? So, I couldn't think
0: of a better, more relevant time for this story to be told with everything that's going on. So it seems just part of the magic that the timing of when this is to that point where it's about to be distributed and released is in the midst of Me Too and all the social change that's Mm -hmm. going on. And it's extremely powerful story to be told right now. So it would have
1: been so different a year ago or two years ago. Yeah, We could have rushed to have it done. But the timing wouldn't have been as good. Right. I mean, that's a great question for Alex too, who's been on board for so long. Um, is it frustrating? How long it's taking? No.
6: No, I think I think when, when you invest in, in, in either in startup companies or in um, in, in early stage financing or in, in movie, you have to have a long term investment horizon of ten years. Mm-hmm. there's there's no there's no time in in putting pressure on, on the creative process there's no no point in in trying to rush it
1: uh, find your people
0: yeah, and <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the same with any entrepreneurial journey in general it's you are putting everything you have in up front and you really have to go in expecting that you're not going to see that return for five ten years. The process, right? And then I think another important part that Jennifer touched on that we had talked about, Alexandra, is the mentorship part, is like how important it is to have mentors around you that are in front of you that can kind of help you along the way, both whether you're learning as an entrepreneur to start a company or you're creating a film, which is an entrepreneurial venture as well.
6: Absolutely, it was was very important in in my early career when I started my software company uh, with my business partners in 1992. We had some really good and strong mentors that that helped us avoid a couple of costly early mistakes, and um, it it also took us uh, gosh at least nine ten years before the business really started uh, taking leaps and bounds and becoming. Uh, nicely profitable it was it was profitable from the get-go but there was also years the early three or four years where we couldn't pay ourselves a salary that's just life as an entrepreneur we gotta believe in your passion believe in your mission and, and and your vision and go through with it
1: I love it and Denise though like you we met a year ago Yes. How I mean, was that experience for you? Because you were at that first big screening that we had.
0: Yes. Um, I think it was all part of the synergy as well because somebody had uh, brought me to that film who was in the film. Angela. And, no, it wasn't Angela oh. that brought me. It was Katrina. Oh, Katarina. Yeah. yeah. And me.
3: Uh, so-, so she brought you too.
0: Would you say?
1: her To the Ace Hotel one. Yeah, the big one.
0: She brought me to the Ace Hotel, and then I didn't know that Angela was in it. It turned out that um, Angela McCluskey was in it, and Matt Smiley was in it, and they're both very good friends of mine, too. So I was like, wow, I have so many people I know in this film. And then you know, my background, I'm very much a businesswoman, but I've been in the creative world for many years. I started my career at the Cleveland Museum of Art, which is the fourth best art museum in the world. And right next to Cleveland um, Institute of Art, where I learned about film and was watching, um, you know, art films there. And so I hadn't seen a good art film in forever. It's, it's very hard to find because they're hard to make. And I was so impressed that it did it does an amazing job of telling an incredible story that is difficult to tell because mary pickford was born in what 1892 so it's a time piece as well um, and and then you had the extra layer of not just biopic but there is definitely a filter of this is an art piece over it and so i just felt attached to it right away and wanted to get to know you and then now we're here here we are <laughs> yeah so i just launched house of fame a new entrepreneurial journey for me and it's a learning venture, and you know, right alongside of yours, you're a lot further than me in your process. But I'm so just honored to have you and the whole panel here today. It has it been incredible for me to learn your story. You're all very good storytellers, and it's such valuable information to get out to people that are trying to make their own forms of art in film in whatever genre. So,
1: thank you for being part of that conversation and we actually have a couple students that are ambassadors too that are on right now and they're gonna like they're recording and they're gonna cut content from this and they i think just graduated high school in san francisco so i just love that you're integrating that into your process
0: where there's people just starting out that are getting to learn experientially it's so valuable
1: yeah thank you so much um do you want any closing words from anyone or before Chelio shares?
0: Yeah, if anybody has any closing words, definitely. And then I can't wait to see the art that's coming out of this talk today.
1: Todd, do you have any closing words?
7: Uh, no, nothing uh, Nothing epic or clever or anything like that.
0: All right, let me check the chat. Was there any questions that anybody in the audience had?
2: Let me see if there's any questions here anybody i don't think so i don't think there's there's any questions
0: coming up okay so great well then let's see what we have chelio jennifer do you want to introduce his um piece
1: no chelio should introduce this piece okay okay
8: okay Okay. and then thank you everybody because talk about Mary Bigfoot, Mary Bigfoot, Mary Bigfoot, Mary Bigfoot coming. Oh, yes. And then I prepare four amazing color with four uh, fountain pen, but only sepia color working. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, the energy about everybody is. Uh, about the acting about mary pickford in the life because uh, we have uh, we have to act every day in the life in the 20s one century ago the pickford time she do a uh, lot of acting but in the mind have free space for put all personal things but she worked with uh, Lot of many uh artists, and then wow. we saw a different expression from twenties head from twenties Wow. this is her I don't wow. see very well That's beautiful oh. just a second i don't wow. see okay wow, I'll tell you. Uh, you see yes, this, yes. this is a mary oh its a mary uh we have some acting is the people work with her like, like us like us today we have a, a charlie chao charlie. charlie oh my god Ciao charlie it's coming some older people can maybe is acting in the movie i think uh-huh. so this is a, i uh, this uh, i saw one time the mother of Mary is a very influence of her and I think she said about something we have uh, uh, some persons oh look at this okay. oh, this uh, I think so is uh, an actor and work with her in the 20s oh we have uh, something hat 20s and some believe in religions but in the dark like uh, I believe in Jesus maybe not but I believe more in myself and uh, I think today is nice because together focus on her because her is the first star is the first woman can decide is the energy about woman in this world, or the respect about woman, and then in the acting life, you know, and, and she, she appeared with the flowers, like delicate persons, like love, oh, yeah. love the life, but uh, she, her, everywhere. <laughs> is it, amazing wow. i'm surprised wow. i'm it's surprised myself too it's Jeez. really
4: impressive what you did even
3: now or now. <laughs> yeah. and you the details, it's so incredible what you did uh
1: it's also very interesting this um how we all are actors in our own life you know what he said and he's bringing in the masculine and the feminine um the business side and the artist side and you know we we play different roles and wear different hats in our our life you know and and how Pickford is really sort of a symbol of all these things is very cool
8: yes very very intense but because it's the life is the life it's the life of Mary Pickford she gives us a very beautiful present, a freedom from woman a freedom for creativity in different view, not male view or only on one direction. But she makes all these people. She decides. This very relaxed phase. Mm-hmm. But this is not the important. Is important what happened in this mind, and for very important because in the life, of work, of business. But very important is have a personal life, a freedom life, mm-hmm. and she coming with this, with this beautiful path. Wow. Yeah, I think this is my read, this is my impression about what's up, because I do very fast, I don't know what's up, and then <laughs> I, only, I only take the energy, and then the energy, it's Mary's, buongiorno Mary, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, and also it's a hundred year cycle, you know, we're in this the marker a hundred years later, you know, she founded United Artists in 1919. Um, yeah. So we're stepping into that sort of paradigm of all these different voices and, and people from all over the world and diversity and storytelling. It's like, yeah, we're carrying that torch in this movie. It's called Why Not Choose Love, which is, as she said, it was the, it's the highest frequency for, for creativity is love you know so I love the Cellios including all these faces and all these voices because she really wanted to represent the people you know and the artists and it's very powerful wow it's my favorite
6: awesome yeah that's yeah,
1: yeah, gorgeous
3: great
0: job
1: thank you um
0: thanks everybody so um real quick if you want to put in the chat or you want to just speak out your how people can find you on social media um maybe we can just go through one by one alex how can people find you on social media
6: it's at afalk a-f-a-l-k on most platforms except for instagram there's a dot between the a and my last name on instagram
0: perfect nitsa how about you it's (laughs) nitsa benchatric no secret (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay and jennifer how can people
1: find you on instagram it's jennifer.dalia um and we have humanizing the icon on instagram and facebook and youtube and um i'm on facebook as well so great
3: martine my insta is martine four insta with a four number four um my um I have a Facebook, Martin Melul, M-E-L-L-O-U-L. And I have a website for my company called Kali Pictures, K-A-L-I from the goddess Kali, destruction of the ego.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Todd, how can people find you?
7: Um, probably the uh, best uh, Instagram, uh, tbird um, underscore L-I-C, stands for uh, Long Island City. Um, and I also have a uh, music publishing website, uh, double, treble, double treble music.com. Oh, T R E B L E. Yes.
1: Yeah.
7: Exactly. Uh,
1: Celio,
0: how
8: can people find you? Oh, yes. And then my Instagram is uh, in in English is uh, Celio underscore Bordin. In Italiano Celio. Yeah, I prefer. And uh, the website is chelioburdin.com.
0: Great. And Thank I'm, you. Yes. And I'm Denise Kozlowski. The last name is K O Z L O W S K I. And um, I also, you can also find us at houseoffame.us on most of the channels. Okay, I'm going to leave everybody as we're exiting with a little bit of music from the film thanks everybody. Thank you guys.
1: Thank you you for your
2: support. I love you all.